I'm Valeria. I'm Samantha. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jose. And, and we, we are hashtag felt smart might delete later. <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about the first part of Fahrenheit 451. We are going to be discussing important themes throughout the book. Um, Jose here will get us started with some discussion questions. And before we begin, disclaimer, this is kind of a, bu- a mukbang, so if you hear chewing sounds, it's okay. It's because it's after school and we're hungry, Mr. Hosking. <laughs> Don't judge us. Give us an A, please. <laughs> so throughout the book, we he- we see Guy Montag question his job as a firefighter. And there's a lot of mention of fire and flames throughout the book. What do you guys think the flames are meant to represent? Hmm. Uh. Hmm. Well... I think that the fire is really significant because, as we know, Guy Montag is a firefighter. And in the beginning, it's kind of talking kind of like an obsession or like he feels good when he's like burning things. And like in this case, it's books. So I think fire really like stands out when talking about um, like the story when it first begins. Um, I don't really have anything to say on that. I never really thought about the flames as a symbol. Like, I knew they were going to be a symbol, but I didn't really think into it. And I cannot come up with something off the top of my head so far. So, what I what I thought of when I, like, saw so much mentioning of the flames and the fire is that how he felt happy with his job at first. And it, like, it reminded me, like, of cold nights, like, at campfires and stuff. We see fire as a source of light, as a source of heat, a warmth that makes us feel good at night and stuff. But it can also be a force that destroys things, like when it destroys books and it destroys just history in, like, in its sense. So a fi- fire can represent both the good aspects and the bad aspects of life, I guess. I don't know why, but when you say that he's happy, like in the be- like with the, his dog, I don't really think he's happy until he like realizes it, until like Clarice tells him because um, he discovers that he's unhappy, like after he really thought about it. So he may just felt happy, but like if you really think about it, he, he really wasn't happy with the fact like of what he was doing. I'd like to say that I never thought he was happy in the first place. Like I think it was hard for him to think he was happy if he didn't like realize the action, like the things he was doing. I feel like in order. So in the book, there's also the theme of that everyone is happy. There's like nothing wrong because there's no way for them to disagree on anything. So I think, yeah, it's like a utopia dystopia. So I think that the fact that he thinks he was happy is hard to tell because he never experienced sadness in the first place. So there was nothing really to compare it to. So I don't think that he could have been truly happy at any point. I think he truly questions when he, well... He he's, he realizes he's not happy when he questions what he's doing, whether it's correct, burning all these books, and seeing the reaction of these people as being so protective of these books as if they were something of value, a family member, or, or such. And, and especially we see him change after his talk with Clarice, where we kind of see a... Claire, we could almost say that Clarice is a bit of a turning point. Yes, but um, the word I'm thinking. A plot twist, a climax, a pivotal 
turning point. <laughs> what What are you looking for? A figment of his imagination, his guilt. <laughs> a realization. A, his rep- the representation of something in his self-conscious. I don't really think he was, like, ever happy. Like, they say it's a utopia, but, like, his wife... His wife overdosed. Like she overdosed, and they say that when the M- when the MDs, it was the MDs, right? Yeah. When they say that he came, or when they came, they said that they get this like eight cases a night. That doesn't really sound like people are happy in this utopian world if they're overdosing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I felt like um, people just don't know what to do with themselves because, as Clary said, there's no there's no stimulating conversation. There's nothing for them to really talk about. So I feel like people feel empty, and so they want they want to feel, I guess, something, and so they end up doing the opposite and going really bad. But um, with that, I also saw the theme of like a disregard for human life, especially because they didn't even send real doctors over. They sent just like. I don't remember what they were. Just people with machines. Yeah, they were just people with machines. And, like, the fact that they didn't even send a whole doctor over kind of shows the fact that something like that is so common. And people aren't appreciating life. And you also see it when Clarice talks about the other kids her age. She she tells um, Montag about how they race cars really fast. And, like, they're doing things that risk their lives. Like, no one is appreciating their lives it's just a whole disregard of life in general Mm -hmm, being a kind of a screw it kind of life you Mm -hmm. know nothing Mm -hmm. really matters at this point since we're now in this perfect utopia what can go wrong exactly don't they get then gel if they are trying to drive safe too like if they go under the speed limit i guess like they said if they're going too slowly that they'll be pulled over i think and sent to jail or something because they want them to crash or like do something i don't remember that but, um... Wait, did you say that they do want them to crash, or...? Yeah, like, they want them to go over the limit, like... Because I remember she to- told something about her uncle, like, going too slow on the highway and then, like, mm-hmm. him getting arrested. Mm-hmm. What the I, I think, um, one of the reasons that they he got arrested for going so slowly is because, um, knowing that he was Clarice's uncle, he was probably trying to go slowly so he could see the surroundings around him and kind of appreciate that. And I don't really feel like that's the norm in this utopia, so that's probably why he got pulled over, rather than it being that they want bad things to happen to people. Yeah, I remember Clarice saying that her uncle did it so he could just enjoy the view, see Mm -hmm. the flowers and the grass just flowing there. The fact that they made the billboard so long was really interesting to me because I think they said either 2,000 feet or 200 feet, I don't remember. But they said that they were that long, and just when you pass by, you could still barely read it. Like, how are people going that fast, and they're not, like, concerned at all? Mm-hmm. I want to go back to uh, Clarice, because I didn't really um, think about it while I was reading, but she actually really is an important part of the story. Mm-hmm. Or, like, well, in the beginning, as far as I read, because... She made him, she wasn't like other people, and, like, it really seems that that made um, Guy Montag, like, really nervous, and he was uncomfortable talking about, like, real things with her, maybe it was because of her age, but she really had an impact on him, and, like, and she, she, um, yeah, it was just, like, it was weird to think how she, uh, how a 17-year-old could have 
a, a really big impact like on a, like on a man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we had a debate about this in class and I want to bring it up right now <laughs> but like remember when we started talking about Clarice and whether or not she was actually an actual person or mm-hmm. if he was she was part of like Montag guy Montag's figment of like his imagination or like his subconscious his guilt like what do you guys think of that I don't think she was a figment of his imagination. I just find it hard to believe that, especially when other people talk to Montag about her and like like they knew her. Like even the chief of the pol- of the police of the fire department was like, "Oh yeah, we get calls about them." So I feel like it's hard for Montag to imagine all of that. Calls about them? Like so people obviously knew that she yeah, was Yeah, people like, knew she existed and that she was real. And her family existed and her family, too. Yeah. Mhm. What, why do you guys think her family moved? Because I don't think she died like of natural cause or something, or like I think they said in the book she got run over looking at the scenery or something. But like I don't think that actually happened. I think someone purposely killed her because of going against uh-huh. the norms. Like I feel like they are not moving, but they're running away. But they're running away. Because they're scared that they're gonna get killed too for not following the norms. Because it's not just Clarice who's like that. She, I think she said her whole family's like that. Her whole family has the lights on. They all discuss. They all talk about their day. Yeah. Um. Can we talk about the walls very quickly? Because they really confused me. Um. The relatives. Yeah. So I was for a while. I was imagining in my head, just like it was like a regular house in my head, but. The wife, Mildred, always had earphones in, and she was, like, listening, and she, like, for some reason in my head, she could see different things while having the earphones in, and so I felt like that contributed to a lack of communication between her and Montag, but then I kind of found out that they bought the walls, so I don't know if it's, like, a virtual wall inside of headphones or her eyes or something. I have no idea what it was, but I'm confused. Let me input. Well, I mean, they don't even describe them as headphones. They call them shells. And yeah, I was confused. Looking. I was like... So I'm like, I start, I start thinking, like, when does this take place? Is it, like, right now? Or, like, is it supposed to be, like, a f- far-off future or something? Because the technology they had have to have for that to happen would be, like, greater than what we have right now. Because we barely can do that with FaceTime or video calls mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I don't know why, but for me, like, I pictured, like, one of those, like, asylum rooms where it's, like, all white, mm-hmm. and you just see, like, the patient talking to the wall. Like, that's how I pictured it. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> I know. I don't know why, but, like, I just I just feel like, some, like she has some kind of, like, screw loose, or, like, she's kind of, like, ill or something, because for her to so clearly be talking to the walls as their relatives, or, like, turning up a play and, like, Saying, oh yeah, I'm watching a play, but she doesn't know what it's about. She just say, I'm telling you, it's a band about these people, and she like names people, but she never explains the plot. Well, I think I don't think there's anything. Well, obviously there's something wrong with Mildred, but I don't think it's that she's mentally ill or anything of that matter. I just think it's just the fact that society doesn't regularly talk about things that is the reason that she's like, oh, like I told you already, or like that the reason that she's so vague because she's not used to being asked questions like that. So I think that's one of the main reasons. And yeah. <laughs> I find it funny how whenever a story is described as a utopia, like not everything is perfect. There's always something that's going to be wrong. Like for example, in this story, it's about like they're burning books, they're burning knowledge and like people are overdosing and it's considered a norm. Like the, it's yeah. considered normal. And like other utopian stories like The Giver or 
anyone that you'll read it literally has something wrong with it there's always gonna or the story that we read with mr hosking during the fishbowl oh where all the everyone was yeah. happy except for that except yeah, for the, one person the ones who walk away from yeah so everything's gonna be uh, you, like everything's gonna be perfect for some people but not for others and this clearly when it's being called a utopia it does not make sense because people are suffering well i don't think like when they write utopias they don't <laughs> they don't make it like oh everything's perfect but it's more like people are oblivious to what is actually going on yeah so it's not about living in a perfect world it's about thinking you are in a perfect world and once you see that what's wrong in your world that's when it starts becoming a reality that there's pain there's sadness not everything's gonna go your way so i think that's why they include it that much and in this case it's like like it's a dystopia where everything's wrong yet everyone sees it as a norm until like someone's finally starting questioning like why are we going so fast why are the billboards so long like why do we work here why aren't there any real doctors it just comes all together to form like what's it called i lost i lost my train of thought like it's just i think people the thought they have as a society norm that this is how they're supposed to live i think that's what gets disrupted and that's what really makes the book an interesting book I feel like the whole a utopia actually being not a utopia is a theme with utopian books. Um, I had like a little flashback to a book I read in middle school, and the book was called The Uglies, and it was basically about a girl um, in this world where everyone, or I guess it might have been a dystopia now that I think about it, but um, it was a girl in this world where um, everyone was considered ugly until the age of 16. And at 16, you would get cosmetic surgery in order to make yourself pretty like everyone else. And she rebelled against that. She refused to get the surgery. I don't remember what happened after that. But um, I just thought that it was important to like connect it to something outside. Just showing that there's always like everything seems so perfect because people are oblivious but then someone realizes the truth and it's just different and like adding on to that towards the end of the chapter just to address the end of the chapter i think that's when montag like goes up to his boss and starts telling him all the stuff he like discovered and how he brought a book back and like since it's not out of the norm like the actual boss looks at him and asks him well if someone did do this they'd have 24 hours to think of what they did and bring the book back and then burn it so i think it's not just like like a theme in the utopians where it's not just like oh someone finds out but like someone finds out that one person like someone else found out the truth and they're trying to stop that person from telling everyone else and i think that's like the main part of the end of the chapter okay i feel like that was a good way to end it um multiple members of our Hashtag felt smart, but might delete later group have to leave, unfortunately. Um, but you got a F in the chat? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that is the conclusion of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see y'all next week. Maybe.